If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all-natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. Still no Jason Anderson today. Don't hold us against it. Uh, hold it against us, especially not right now, because we got a special guest in studio. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass, and Myron Medcalf is in the building. Myron, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Did, did Jason decide that because I was coming to town, he didn't want to? He didn't want to be in the studio? I right? was afraid to tell him last <laughs> night. I was like, hey, Myron's in town. He's actually going to come on through. I was afraid that he would just be bursting through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. If he's listening right now, he may text us and be like, guys, why didn't you Why didn't you say anything? Jason, I wanted to respect your couple of days off, and I, and I just had a, a special little treat thrown at us with you being in town. So thanks for being in studio and uh, and surveying the palace with us here. Hey, man, it's cool to be here, man. I just happened to be staying like five minutes away. So when you texted, I was like, you know, wait a minute. I can actually go in studio yeah. this time, and then I back. I put it on GPS, and I'm like, it's literally down the street. It's from just where right I'm here. Staying, so. when, I, when you when you texted, you're in town. I was like, hey, listen, you know, Lawrence is a drive. I wouldn't want yeah. you to drive 45 minutes down to do 30, and then drive 40. You know, if you're in Overland Park, you might <laughs> yeah. as well you might as well come on through. Meant to be meant, meant to, to be. be. Yeah. Uh, as always, Myron Medcalf's uh, uh, appearances with us here on the Zone are benefiting Jackson County Casa CASA is court appointed special advocates, community volunteers just like you who stand up and speak out to help children who have experienced abuse or neglect. Uh, they recruit, train, and support those volunteers to advocate for the best interests of children who are in the Jackson County family court system, so they have a safe place and a permanent home. You can check it out online at Jackson County Casa. That's C. A-S-A dash M-O dot org. Jackson County, C-A-S-A dash M-O dot org. Um, what's the uh, trip been like so far so far for you, Myron? You've uh, you've already made your, your way up to uh, Lawrence and got yeah. Bill Self to uh, to get in on the court storming. Did you try to get to the hardwood at any point? Has the security been beefed up at all yet? <laughs> no, no, okay. no. It hasn't changed yet. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me was the trip was kind of planned, uh, assuming Kevin McCullough was going to be available. Sure. So obviously, you know, things kind of change in, in real time. So it's just been interesting to see how the team change, kind of what's ahead, who has to step up. Uh, but anytime you come to Allen Fieldhouse, you, you come to Allen Fieldhouse. Man, I feel lucky that I get to come to like this bucket list place yeah. where there's so many people who are Kansas fans who've never been in the building. And here I am back. I don't know, fourth or fifth. I don't know how many times I've been there, but it's pretty cool. Losing count is a cool yeah, thing to be yeah, able to do. I was yeah. kind of doing that earlier before we, where we talked. I was like, yeah, I've been, I don't know how many times. Yeah. The, the the seats never get more comfortable, but the atmosphere never gets less cool. That's the, yeah. the trade-off that you can always uh, always have. What What's the best, like, food road trip for you? Like, when you do hit one of these oh, one of these frequent stops, when you're like, that's that's the trip that I've got, like, a food plan for. Okay, oh, I mean Kansas City. Thank you, you know? thank you. I might have been. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. You let me into that. I mean, because <laughs> the barbecue just now. The problem with Kansas City barbecue is you all have local rankings yep. that the outsiders don't understand. Right? Okay, so, sure. So, like from the outside, we know a couple of places. You know, whether it's Gates mm-hmm. or, or Arthur Bryant's places mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then you come talk to people locally, and they're like, "Hold on, I got eighteen other places <laughs> that nobody's <laughs> ever heard." I'm like, "Hold on, man, I'm trying to get to like the three main places." Yes that people tell me I should go to and then you all break out this AP top 25 poll or That's whatever what you're is, taking though. a barbecue 
What do I do with that? You got it. You hit Mount Rushmore. You yeah. get your you get your big three, big four, whatever, yeah, and, and all of that. And then your advanced courses are all right. What's the top twenty five? Let's yes. go ahead your and start checking some of these off. Your blue bloods, you exactly. Got your blue bloods. That's man. That's a good way to. T- but you all need a you all need a better list. Okay. Right. You all need. I'll work on it. You all need an outsider's list. Like mm-hmm. okay, tourists coming into town. I have one day. I can hit up one or two places. Give me those rankings. Right. And then you need your local rankings of, okay, I got a little more time. Going to be here for a week or two, yeah, something like I that. Yeah, I want to go sure. to a couple other places because you all got to have a meeting and okay. make a decision <laughs> on what sort of barbecue recommendations you're going to offer to outsiders. I will try to send some texts. Please I will do. try to assemble a board or something. something. And, and we can uh, try to clarify that for you. Um, I'm going to save the uh, court storming that made you Good Morning America famous. I'm going to leave yeah, that yeah. for a minute. Eight seconds. I think yeah. you think you had it at 11. Yeah, I think I count, like, count double digits. Yeah. More than 10, less than a dozen. That's yeah, that's yeah. all pretty good. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned Kevin McCuller and, and how that has been like such a total unknown and such a, a shake-up to this Kansas season, a shake-up to your plans at one point. Yeah. Did you learn anything about his status yesterday, talking to Bill Self, and, and what's that mean to you right now? Well, I think the biggest thing he said is, like, he's not just going to bring him back in the postseason. Yeah. You know, so it sounds like if we don't see Kevin in the next week, week and a half, then that's probably the last we've seen of okay. him, you know, because and, and it makes sense. Like, you wouldn't want to bring him back and he's not ready to go in terms of what he can offer the team. But you're also talking about a guy who is suddenly a projected first-round pick in the NBA draft mm-hmm. with a bone bruise. So right. I think there's a lot of that. And I asked Bill, I said, you know, you've obviously dealt with late-season injuries, star players. I brought up Embiid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not – calm down. <laughs> calm, everybody <laughs> right, calm down. Right, right, right. I'm not saying Kevin McCullough is Embiid. Right? I didn't just, hear you say that. All right, everybody relax. <laughs> but just in the timing, and, and Bill said, no, it's different because that team had more depth. Hmm. And the challenge with this team is you don't have the same rotation that he's had in past years where, where Kevin like has to be out there right. in order for this team to reach its ceiling. Um, and it's not as easy to do the next man up right. thing with a team like this. What is their ceiling if he doesn't come back or doesn't come back in a major role, even if it is a little bit of feeling it out in the postseason? Well, you know, I think they're trying to figure that out now. But stomping on Texas was a – was a big moment. I mean, defensively. Right. You know, obviously putting up big numbers. We know they can score. But defensively, I thought that was impressive. Going on the road and kind of exercising the demons, if you will, of getting a game on the road against a a good Big 12 team, I think that helped. So I think they can be a team that kind of spreads the ball around. Listen, Johnny Furphy suddenly is a projected first-round pick, which, by the way, if I hated Kansas, right, if I were a college (laughs) basketball fan and I hated Kansas – I would hate them even more yes. if they could bring a six foot nine Australian that nobody's ever heard of, That's, yes. and a month later he's a lottery pick. What are you talking about? Where did you? Where did he come from? Who is this dude? And now you bring some six foot nine kid off the bench, and he's about to be a Golden State Warrior in four months. What are we doing, man? So if I were that person, I would look at this Kansas team and be like, you know what? I don't even want to hear it because you are building a factory somewhere in Lawrence yes. where you're producing these guys. So I think Furphy, though, his development has been a huge part of what you think their ceiling can become because he just changes the way they play. Yeah. He changes the matchups. Like, there aren't many teams that are built to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but Kevin is their best player. I think that's clear. But they also got more talent than a lot of teams, even with that. I'm feeling pretty good as like a ball knower now because I can just go ahead and cross off future Golden State Warrior Johnny Furphy and 100%. everything leading in that. I mean, you're dead on. You are so so right. He, yes, he's already 
He is already getting donuts for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. <laughs> yes, like and already so annoying in the third quarter at some point. Like, all right, they got bench guys out here. We got a chance to come back, but get who the, who's this Australian exactly. kid? Exactly, they already trash talking him, messing up his oh. name because oh. he just went three for six <laughs> from the corner and nobody guarded him. Right? Yes, he sounded really. But his whole arc is so funny to me because it was like I mean I don't know how how long into the season it was. We were talking our football season keeps going later and later yeah, yeah, around yeah. here, and I'm not complaining. Yeah. But at some point further into the year than it should have been, I, I was saying to the guys like I am still not sure that Johnny Furphy is a real name for a real person. <laughs> yes, it sounds messed up. It's like all right, yeah. like so this is like your creative player, exactly. something generated. Yes, who's the six nine Australian <laughs> yeah, kid that yeah. nobody like really that that development is fascinating to me. And it's not – is this just what – does Kansas just do this now? Like, is this just – is there just always going to be a guy – yeah, give him give him a few months, and then all of a sudden he's going to, he's going to be a lottery pick because he can yeah. shoot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a local versus national perspective, right? Yeah. And they're always different. Locally, for you all, this is a situation where you're like, whoa, we don't have as much depth. You know what I mean? Maybe not as much talent. So now you go to a guy like this, and it's like, okay, he's good. But it's not some of the top elite guys we've had, the depth we've had in the past. Nationally, it's like, wait a minute. You just lost your best player, and you're still a really good team because you have guys like that. It's like it's like somebody being broke, and then they go to somebody's house who's really broke. Yes. And, you sit, and you're, like, you're sitting on the floor. Yes. You know what I mean? With the lawn chair yeah, you, you in the house, like, yeah. TV dinners. Uh-huh. They got antennas on the TV. And you're like, you know what? I thought I was broke. But there are levels to broke. Yes. Right? And there are levels to being challenging college basketball. Losing Kevin McCullough, big deal. But because of what Johnny's been able to do, I mean, Timberlake steps up. You got yeah. Towson transfer coming out of nowhere, dunking on people, alley oops. So I just think this team has to change. The ceiling question comes to me in that second weekend conversation. Can you compete with the best teams in America without Kevin McCullough? But getting to that point, they're equipped to do that. And then once you get there, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Shrug. Like, we'll, we'll see what yeah, actually arrives. Uh, my dear friend Nate Taylor, a year or two ago, Nate, started st- the best dude, yeah. uh, started started talking about Tuscaloosa Chiefs fans because yeah. we were getting into that headspace. Yeah, we have Tuscaloosa Chiefs fans. <laughs> we have Tuscaloosa KU fans. Yeah. This is suddenly, this little pocket of, of America has, and I mean this in love and, and graciousness, yeah. the most spoiled brat fan bases 100%. in the world. And I'm, I'm not apologizing yeah. for it yeah. because it... It really, this Kansas season has felt in so many ways like this Chiefs season did yep. throughout the regular season of, yeah. ah, well, this guy didn't step up or injuries over here. Something's not quite meshing the way that it should. Yeah. And the rest of the league's looking around like, well, you're going to be a two seed. <laughs> yeah, this is, you're going to be, I think yeah. you're going to be fine. It yeah. kind of feels like KU's in a similar like, similar spot. Yeah, it's like talking to a kid who, you know, maybe falling on hard times, he thinks, and it's like, we're not going to the Bahamas this spring break. <laughs> We're only going to Disneyland. Shut up, man. I hate my mom. We've what? never been to Disneyland. What are you talking about? Like, that's how it sounds sometimes when you've been so good for so long. You all have been celebrating, it feels like, for a decade. Yep. Super Bowls and World Series and national championships. <laughs> and then you come to the table with normal people. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Where are your rings at? Where are your NBA prospects? You don't have three Super Bowls? What? How come your guy isn't as good as Patrick Mahomes? So, like, you all got to change your circles a little bit and who yeah. you talk to. Because if you talk to regular sports fans, they're not really going to know how to relate 
to what you all have going here. This is why my Phoenix Suns fandom keeps me grounded. <laughs> yes, even that, even that in recent years, I've started getting greedy. I can feel it. I'm like, well, listen, what do you mean you lost? You mean you lost in the finals? I don't. Exactly. Like, I, I hadn't seen a finals in in my lifetime. But that's you know that I do think I think Chiefs fans still at least most over the age of like 15 yeah. have some memory of like the bad times. Yeah, you know. Yeah. KU fans don't. There, there no, are KU fans no. who are who are born and lived full lives who no. still are like, no, I mean, Big 12 championships are kind of our, our birthright at this yeah. point. Um, also, the rest of this Big 12, is, <laughs> Dylan just waved. Dylan, resident <laughs> yes, KU yeah. fan Dylan was like, yep, that's uh, yeah, it's hand like, up. It's unfair when you have a fan base that can be like, Embiid might have been our fourth best center ever. <laughs> right. Like, What? What do you mean he's number four? Like, we get annoyed by the Allen Fieldhouse record versus... Uh, not annoyed, but it's like, yeah. I've seen that stat a thousand times. So. <laughs> like, hold on a second. How is he number four? Like, it's finally just gotten to where it's more losses than championships it's, for me in my life. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible, man. <laughs> <sighs> and, and look, the, the Big 12 being as good it's and tough, as man. wild as it's been this year... Again, if in terms of like what you've learned about your team come tournament time, oh, you've got all the information in the world. You just lose more games. Like what? Zooming away from KU specifically a little bit. Also, shout out to the overtime Wildcats. I can't explain it. I don't, you no, got, I can. Okay, I figured. I just want to make sure. I don't know if it's sure. a stat or not. I mean, I like from a media perspective, it's cool for us, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's real or not. What is it, it exactly? Is, what is it? Something. What does it mean? All right, hold on. We're holding off the rest of the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah. What can, is there? Is there? Anything because like we I was talking about clutch after the Super Bowl and everything because like Mahomes yeah. there's Mahomes has something but yeah. I think he's just a great player who's totally unfazed in those moments yeah. so like great stuff happens but I don't know when a like up and down struggling Big Twelve team is untouchable in overtime I don't yeah. know if that's the sorcery again of Jerome Tang or if there's something else happening but it's so bizarre to me it, it, it's bizarre and now like you wonder if you're an opposing team. At this point, everyone tells you it's not a thing, right? Come on. There's no real number on overtime. You can't yeah. really project that. But now on the court, you go into overtime with a team that doesn't lose in overtime. That can be an edge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's just a really weird stat, but it's also the thing that's kept them alive in the NCAA tournament picture. I, yeah, that's true, I guess. The, whatever you know? whatever it is, if it keeps showing up, then yeah, then I'm I'm it's happy wild. to see it. Uh, but but removing uh, the state of Kansas yeah, from yeah. the Big 12 and, and putting all that back into context, obviously you've you've seen the, the we'll get kind of top three, Houston, Purdue, UConn. Obviously Houston has, has had a great run, but this conference how do you put it in like a historical perspective at this point in terms of, of what this, this Big 12 has been? Uh, I, I think Playing in this league will be harder than winning the championship just because hmm. of the talent you have. I mean, you're not going to see Iowa State in the second round. You're not going to see a Kansas State team that can't wait to kick your tail every year in the first round. So, I mean, if you're talking about the path to the championship in this league, it's more difficult than what you're going to see in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, hello, Arizona. We'll see you next year. Like, Come on in, I guess. It is, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they, like, create those – Kansas matchups too late. Yeah. Because we got to see Arizona KU twice. And you'd hope we still see Houston Kansas twice. But if I'm Kansas, I'm like, hold on a second. I got to play those two teams. <laughs> That's great for you guys times. to watch, but yeah, we got to yeah. play it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think it is the, the most powerful league in the country. And, and you're seeing that. I mean, you have multiple teams that I think can make a run. I think this Houston team is as good as anybody in the country. Healthy Kansas, we've seen what they've been able to do with their non conference win. So. Uh, again, I think the path to a championship, if you told me to pick what's more difficult, winning the Big 12 championship is going to be more difficult than winning an NCAA championship. 
what as a as a terminology basis, what what's a tournament run to you? Is that a Sweet Sixteen? Is that getting to the eight? What, where would you put like a run? I don't know. It's it's depends on the team, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, maybe it's just getting past your seating, like yeah. where you're supposed to reach or whatever. Well, I mean, Cup the two wins two. if yeah history. I mean, if you're Kansas, it, it ain't the first round. No, Second right, round, you know, right. Probably elite eight ish. You know, I would assume final four. If you're Kansas State. Getting to the second round, I yeah. mean, I would give Jerome Tang a lifetime, lifetime contract, right? For so, sure, right. Um, it, it varies. But I think there are multiple teams that are capable of getting to the second weekend. And to your point earlier, who knows what happens if you get there? What What would you put the number at in terms of, let's, we'll make it second weekend, of Big 12 teams right now that you're, no, that would make, wouldn't surprise me at all to oh, see this man. team playing in the second weekend. I mean, six? I mean, five? Six, it's, not, it's not unrealistic. Like, you put Baylor in any other league in America mm-hmm. with what they're able to do. One of the best shooting teams in America. Defensively, they struggle, but there are a bunch of imbalanced teams in college basketball right now who are struggling defensively. You've got two first-round picks on that team. you got a veteran in Ray J. Dennis who is a really good player. Put them in the Big Ten and, and let's see what happens. Yeah. Put them in the SEC. like Put them in the Pac-12 and let's see what happens. Their problem is they're in the toughest league in America. Uh, but if you tell me they get to play everybody else and you don't have to run through Kansas and Houston and all the teams they're facing, things might be different. So I, I just think you're going to see a lot of teams that out of the Big 12 are going to be a lot better potentially once they get to the postseason. I, I mean, your level of competition is lower than it was in the regular uh, season. What are you, you're, are you working with? Less, like you have, you've, been, you've had a, a donut on your bat all yeah. season. Maybe that yeah. bat speed picks up. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, last thing on, on KU, I think, then, before we kind of go bigger picture. They play BYU tonight. Yeah. Uh, you can hear it right here on your home for the Jayhawk Sports Radio 810 WHB coverage starting at 530. How much can home wins without Kevin McCuller mean for KU at this point? How meaningful can these be? Every win is going to matter, right? I mean, because the, the the way that they're playing now, and this is how Bill was talking. I think Bill Self is hoping that there's a way Kevin McCullough comes back. But I think he's coaching as if he won't come mm. back. So I think winning with this new group is going to be important because everybody has new roles. You know, can Dick Timberlake do it again? Can Furphy continue to emerge and evolve? DeWan, like, can you get guys to start to play in a way that they haven't had to play most of the year because they had Kevin? So I think a win against a good BYU team, shoots a lot of threes, has a different kind of style, will help you going forward because you have to go into this game and every game beyond this saying, you know, this might be our team. We don't know if Kevin's coming back. So every victory is going to matter because it's almost like they're starting over in a weird way yeah. if he can't come back. Speaking of things that may or may not be real, the obviously getting that road win in Oklahoma like we talked about felt like, uh, I don't know if it's just getting, getting the monkey off their back or clearing their head or whatever, but that – the ending that streak felt meaningful at the time yeah. because it was so inexplicable. But I also don't know if that's real. I don't know if it's Allen Fieldhouse or if it's road environments, what happens in the tournament, what happens in the T-Mobile Center. Yeah. Is, is there a way for you to calibrate to how much that actually is a part of this, this KU team story? It, it's, just, it's just hard, man, because like some of those, like some of those variables, it's hard to know like what the actual factor is and like yeah. what – what is actually like again? Media talk. We love the streaks and records and broker. It's fun for us because that's a story to right. talk about. But you know what? No one ever asks us like, what exactly does it mean? Like right. you brought up Jerome Tang, <laughs> yep. the overtime champions. Okay, tell me how that happens. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's no metric to say this is exactly why it happens. Uh, I, I do think obviously at Allen Fieldhouse, there's a mystique. Yeah, that 
I don't know. Are there four buildings maybe in college basketball to have a mystique? Cameron Indoor, Rupp Arena, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. maybe there's another one I'm missing. But, you know, there is something about being a part of this building. It's just, But it's just hard to say that's exactly the reason. Yeah, it's weird. And also some of that weird inexplicable stuff is, I think, some of the, the best parts of college basketball because there are so many, so many teams, so Wildest. many factors, so wild. Um, with that in mind, it feels like there's a, a real cutoff at Houston, Purdue, oh. UConn. How do you view those three right now? And is this is this a situation where come tournament time you're going to say, give me the big three versus the field, or I'll take the field in chaos? Yeah, I'm probably picking the chaos. I mean, UConn, I think, is the best team among those three just because of, you know, when Donovan Klingon is playing well and he's back healthy, there's a really tough team to beat. I don't know what happened at Creighton. That was, that was a, a weird game for them yeah. uh, that got away from them. Purdue has the best player in America, and – when you talk to coaches about Zach Eady, there's just no way to solve hmm. him. He's better than he was last year. He's a lottery pick now. He's more mobile. He's lost weight. Um, so, so that's a real challenge when you got a seven foot four monster who <laughs> can now move even better than he could a year ago. Houston's clearly the best defensive team. You know, like they just make you look really bad, mm-hmm. and they make your offense look ugly. <laughs> like even if it's flowing. They got a bunch of grown men. Like the, I, I like to say, like they got a team with a bunch of dudes with four hundred one k. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like those some grown men. You know what I mean. Like so, so that is the difference with Houston. So it could be almost a pick your poison. I think I know we say this all the time. The matchups are going to matter yeah. a lot this year. The path to the championship will matter a lot this year because I don't think we have a great team. UConn, Purdue, Houston are as close as we have. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're great compared to past years. They're really good, and there's a bunch of good teams behind them. Which I also, again, think, in my opinion, I think probably good for college basketball. Yeah. I, it's nice to have some blue bloods and some names, you, you know, some favorites, but then let it rip come March, and that's yeah. kind of where it thrives. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the uh, the story of the week that I'm sure you are not tired of talking about <laughs> yeah. in any way whatsoever. Uh, from from ESPN to GMA, yeah. uh, Kyle Filipowski's hit by a fan. Several fans. He kind of yeah. tried to throw a little little shove at one point, which yeah. I get because you're being stormed by a whole bunch of fans. The the entire story to this point, I imagine people are are largely caught up with. Yeah. You talked to Bill Self about it yesterday. Yeah. What was that conversation like, and and what was his posture on the whole deal? Well, he he wants it banned, and and I get it. You know, he he brought up a couple of instances that I think people maybe forget. Iowa State 2012, when they stormed the floor after beating Kansas, he had to pull Darren George, who mm. who was a ref, who broke his arm in a mm. court start. You know, and Bill Self had to like pull him to safety. And then the Jamari Trailer thing. And the thing he said, which is the thing I've always thought about Jamari Trailer at Kansas State in 2015, he said he was shocked that Jamari didn't throw a punch. Hmm. And I am too. Like, yeah. the, the thing that people aren't talking about is, okay, say what you want about Kyle Filipowski, if you think that was exaggerated, whatever. What happens if Kyle swings on somebody? I always tell people, man, I, I tell my kids this, everybody was not raised the same way. Mm-hmm. What you think may happen might be different than what actually happens. And there are people in this world, if a bunch of people are rushing at them, that triggers a certain response where they're like, hold on, man, I'm in danger. Yeah. Now some college basketball kid who's six foot nine throws a punch, some kid gets decked on national TV, and all of a sudden we want to have a different conversation. Tenor changes a lot. Or yep. I was just at a game, you know, the other day. There's an elderly person in the front row. Mm. 
who's not mobile, uh-huh. and everyone spills onto the court and someone gets hurt. A kid falls down on the court and there's a stampede. Have we not watched enough of European soccer, international soccer? So I think it's disingenuous for people to say it's not a big issue, it's not a big deal, when in reality it's clearly a safety concern. Here's the other challenge in the court storming conversation. If you don't go to North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, and maybe I'm missing another school, shut your doggone mouth because <laughs> this is not a conversation for you. That's a good point. We listen to Bill Self because this has happened to him maybe more times than anybody else. That's right. I'll listen to Cal at Kentucky about this. I'll listen to Coach K when he was coaching about this because those are the schools that are most vulnerable to court storming. If somebody has stormed on your team one time in 10 years, be quiet. Nobody cares what you think about court storming. If you know your team is never going to be good enough to be the victim of a court storming, also be quiet. So it's really a conversation for four or five schools who are always vulnerable and in danger, and people are going, it's no big deal, because they're not a part of that. But for Bill Self, I'm going to listen to him, because he's been in the middle of it a ton. And if he's saying stop it, we got to end it. It's that simple. And one thing that uh, you tweeted somebody about this, about being like, wow, they're going to hold all those fans back or whatever. Yeah. The weird thing to me is that space of being like, it'd be great if we could stop, but I just can't think of any reason why. I'm yeah. also, I'm not sure I'm on full team, let everyone storm the court yeah, and then that? just round them up again, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know where that lands, but like, what, what is feasible to yeah. you having talked to those guys? What, what makes sense? What's an actual way that this can, and I'm also, if it, if it is a actual security and safety concern, which we have plenty of evidence that it is, yeah. I understand, I guess, people like the scene. It, it yeah, feels yeah. like college sports, but especially on basketball courts. I mean, maybe it's even different than in football. You've got a lot more grass to cover. The attachment to it doesn't quite meet the level of concern that comes with what happens when there's an incident. So I don't know. What, yeah. what, what do you think is feasible, and, and why is this going to be so difficult to convince the world of a, that maybe there's something, some changes that need to be happening here? Well, I'm not on team jail. You know, like, <laughs> that's right. I, I don't, good. you know, like, uh, I don't need Officer Johnson and his colleagues no. at a game 25 deep, and they don't want to be there. No. Trying to arrest some kid. Dropping net the from court. above yeah, the like, Jumbotron, we, maybe, yeah, just are, get everybody. What are you doing, man? Like, it, I don't think we need to go to that level. Like, I would like to focus on other things. Prevention, to, maybe. Yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I really think it starts, like, with the expectation. I was just watching a high school game yesterday uh, out in Pennsylvania. Kid hits a last-second shot, wins the game. Everyone's going wild. And guess what? Some kids were trying to storm the court. And all the security are like, nope, not back. Yeah. And they didn't do it. I hate this idea that people are saying we can't prevent it. Hold on a second. When I go to an NFL game, I expect you all to keep me safe. Yeah. When I go to an airport, I expect people to keep me safe. And guess what happens 99.999% of the time? People are safe. Mm -hmm. You want to know why? Because there are expectations and measures in place. So I just think that has to come to college basketball. There has to be an expectation from everybody involved to say, this is, we're not doing this. Jerome Tang has told his team, listen, we're not going to storm the floor if we beat this team anymore. It's not what we do. So the idea that we can't prevent it is ridiculous when we've watched multiple schools prevent it. Wake Forest didn't look like they had any plan in place. Those kids were almost at half court before the final buzzer, and that was the fastest court storm I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and again, if people haven't been in a court storm, I've been in multiple court storms as a reporter. 
if you're not somebody who knows how to stay upright, maintain your composure in a moment like that, again, everybody ain't raised the same way. Somebody's going to take a swing at some kid. And then it's going to be a whole different conversation about the six foot eight kid who's bullying Junior from Philosophy 101. Yes. Well, we got to decide if Junior should be on the court in those moments. I, I think that's absolutely right. Is is there a similar fabric of, I don't know if it's nostalgia or just the whole college experience? What is it that also compels people to get very offended when some people, not to name names or point fingers, suggest yeah. that maybe the handshake line should also yeah. be optional yeah. to yeah. maybe avoid these post-game interactions? Yeah, I just, like, I, to, to me, tradition's cool. Yeah. I, I just think we need to take a, a more of a cue from the pros who who don't have these issues that we have. Like, an NFL game is wild with far more fans at a college, than a college basketball uh, game. Mm-hmm. And no one goes to a Chiefs game and goes, uh-oh, we might storm the field. Storming the field if we or, or if Kansas City went to Green Bay and you thought that a bunch of Packers fans were going to storm the field and surround Patrick Mahomes, could you imagine oh. Mahomes in the middle of a bunch of Green Bay Packers yeah. and they're bumping him potentially or he's he gets bumped on the knee? Everybody's talking about Kyle Filipowski. Imagine that scene on a Sunday night. Patrick Mahomes is in the middle of a field storm and some Packers fan bumps him in the knee and he limps off the field. There would be uh, Kansas City, you all would be at the Wisconsin border. 100%. Ready to seize the city of Green Bay. Torches and pitchforks. Right? Yes. So, like, let's stop pretending that it's not an issue. Yeah. But I also think, let's also agree that there are a lot of emotions in the game. These are young men, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. It's not as easy for them to just turn it off. There are a lot of emotional people in the stands, same age range. Let's give everybody a break and and just keep some distance in those moments. I want kids to be able to celebrate, court storm all you want, but make sure the opposing team and players and coaches are in a safe place. Feels eminently reasonable to me. Um, We don't have a lot of time left, but there was one thing that I really wanted to make sure I asked you because I saw you tweet about it last week. Should I be watching Love is Blind? Oh, my goodness. I don't Are really. Not? I'm not. I don't really. Uh, I haven't really watched any reality know. dating show kind of stuff, but I'm open. I, my heart is open for one, and yeah. your passion for this is really enticing. How much time do you have? I don't want to go on a, a Love is Blind rant. Just, we have all the time in the world for Love is Love Blind. Love is Blind. Rant. If this season, okay, the guys are bad. Like, the guys are all <laughs> terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole concept is like you don't see the other person. Right. You, get, you fall in love with their personality, who they are, their character, and then you see them, uh-huh. right? And, and you can tell all these guys can't turn that off. All the women are like, yeah, I like him for who he is as a person. I'm excited to start my life with him. And then the dudes are just terrible, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, that is what it's come down to. I am very disappointed in most of the dudes on the show. And just the way they've switched up now that they're in the house together Oh, they're in a house together. Okay, well, well, they originally were like in like their own little like cubicle things. Yeah, Is that the, the show? Okay. They're on the they're on opposite sides of a wall. Got it. Can't see each other. Got it. But then when they propose to someone, you know, they become engaged and then they move in together. Okay. But the guys in the house are just doing a lot of really wild stuff. And then if you follow. There's a Love is Blind kind of subgroup. This is this is my bleep media. here. Yes, okay. Uh, so everybody goes and digs in on social media to mm-hmm. really figure out who these people are. Mm-hmm. A bunch of these dudes are in relationships already. There's a woman who made a TikTok, and she's like, oh, wow. How did I find out that my boyfriend was on Love is Blind? <laughs> like, so there's a lot of scandalous stuff. Apologies to the women on Love is Blind, because they're all great. They're all amazing. And the show just shows how terrible 
some of these dudes are, man. Is that a consistent thread throughout the the entire series? Or this season's been really no. special performance? No, they're they're trying to be terrible. This oh, this, I okay. feel like, and it's it's a lot of fake dudes. Yeah, you know, it's a lot yeah, of yeah, fraudulent yeah. dudes. Past seasons have been really good. Now maybe I'll be proven wrong when the new episodes come out tomorrow. Okay, but right now I, I, I'm like oh for five. I don't think anybody should marry these dudes. Good uh, at the altar. All the women should say no. I, I don't spoilers for previous seasons. Has there ever been a mass declining of just everybody walks out and oh, says that's drama? Oh, that's, okay, that's okay. drama. Okay. Watch the past season. I'm telling you, you'll get hooked. What season should I? Should I start at the top? Start once. Start okay. at one. All right. Start at one. If I, I as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm, this isn't like I don't want to keep doing this throughout yeah. the show. But this, I, I'm, so, I'm uh, in my last week here at eight ten, yeah. so I'm going to have a little more free time, you know, in March and everything. So if I just start texting you, just all hours of the evening yes. throughout the month of March, married, I've been watching Love Is Blind. <laughs> I need to I'll, talk about it. I, I will be there for you because trust me, I'm ready to talk about it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that I have something to look forward to. Uh, Myron, thank you so much thanks, for, for swinging by. Enjoy being out in the field house tonight. And uh, thanks for, uh, for for being a weekly presence with us here throughout basketball season. No, thanks for having me. It's Myron Medcalf of ESPN. Again, his uh, appearances with us here benefit Jackson County Casa. Check him out online at Jackson County Casa, C-A-S-A, Jackson County Casa-M-O.org for more on the great work that they do. We'll take a break here in the zone. We'll come back and talk about a different reality show with uh, less excitement and less expertise because Myron's going to head out. But uh, we'll come back and roll on with more zone next. I guess I'm going to start watching Love is Blind. I don't think Renee's watched it. I should find out. She watched, um, I think, both seasons of F-Boy Island. And then I found out that one of the F-Boy Island contestants is from Kansas City and followed me on Twitter. That was cool. Wow. I don't think you made it very far. You made it now. But that that to me, I was like, Renee, you remember this guy? And she was like, no, I don't really. I was like, oh, okay, well. That's my closest brush with um, reality dating shows. I, and I, I just never watched The Bachelor or any of those other ones. And some of the gimmicks kind of seem interesting and some don't. And I I so deeply trust Myron's perspective and his endorsement of that. And to be honest, his description almost is so bad. It's like a train wreck where I might actually <laughs> yes. go watch this yes. because it's so bad. We have, you know, the reality show. This is holy bleep. This is narrow casting. Renee, if you're not listening, this is for no one. The show. <laughs> It should be good. All right. She's not. She's working. Um, the show that we have been watching is kind of like a second screen kind of background thing. When like we both have you know our handheld gaming devices because we're grown up millennials, and that was me growing up in a big way. It was her less so, but I introduced her to Stardew Valley, and now our our relationship has never been brighter. We can both play our own video games on separate couches while half watching one thing on TV. It's beautiful. That to me, so far, that's marriage. And been great. It's really a good way of spending your, like, you know, three power down hours at the end of the day. But Renee has had, we watched one season of this a while back, but she's rediscovered uh, Face Off, not the movie, but the sci-fi TV show where they have these, um, like, prosthetic and makeup artists. It's more than that. They're doing more full head moldings and cowls and the full costumes and all of that. And they they create from scratch these original characters every week, different prompts and stuff. I guess they're not always completely original characters. Sometimes it's, here's your version of the Beast from Beauty and the Beast or whatever. 
And that's been that's been the only reality show I think I have watched in a very long time, despite the fact that I watched so much Survivor. My family watched Survivor and Amazing Race. I watched, like, seasons of Survivor on YouTube uh, with a friend of mine. We would just, like, watch them simultaneously and, like, Skype or whatever. Um, so I, I just think I've had a little bit of a reality TV-sized hole in, in my heart that uh, that Love is Blind will fill. But if you find Face Off, a show that is, I think, the most recent series, most recent season, I think, is 10 years old. Um it is a very specific, very weird type of reality TV that's like sort of art competition. Not that it's it's definitely art. It's like an art competition slash time management kind of um, creation deal. It's been it's been very fun, uh, but sometimes the long throws to break and the cliffhangers of I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it out of the mold. I'm going to have Clay still stuck in the mold at the end of this, and if I don't, my my whole costume is ruined. And then you know after the break. Uh, everything went fine. It's going to be awesome. Some of those, some of those ten-year-old cliffhangers don't quite hit the same way in the streaming age of where it's like, and, and coming up next on Face Off, and then it plays like a thirty-second ad on Fubo or whatever, and then it's right before the break. Here's what happened. That not great, but Love Is Blind not going to have that problem. That might be the one. Do you have a guilty pleasure reality show, Dylan, or or any sort of any sort of television? Uh, or or you already know. I mean, it's anything that's not anything game. that's not old football, anything that's not America's game or think, football man. life. What's the last TV show you watched that wasn't football themed? Yeah, I gotta think. That's what. I, <laughs> this is not a spot to be put on. Right Did you now. watch Breaking Bad? Like I don't know, maybe get anything. Did you watch yeah. Barney as a kid? Like let's give it oh, get yeah. a starting point. Okay, so it wasn't just football the entire time. I got to get back in the gemstones also. I got, I, that See, first I've been told to watch so that a good. thousand times. Oh, dude. It is. That first season is in. If you know, I've talked to several people about this sort of phenomenon. There are a couple of people that I, I was looking around to see if they happened to be in the hallway. If you, for good reasons, if you know the people, the characters, and the Righteous Gemstones are based on, I don't mean like you know who, like, whatever, Joel Osteen is or whatever. But I mean, like, if you've, if some of that feels familiar to you, if you've been close to that, that show does some incredible, incredible things. Um, you, I've stalled now for you, Dylan, for a TV show or ideally a reality show. I mean, the sad thing is that the two are like the Dynasty and Quarterback, which are both <laughs> football shows. It's, um, hey, did you finish Dynasty or is it all out? What's it's the... all out. So they do two episodes every Friday. Okay. And I have gone through all of them. If you hate the Patriots, you are going to be so upset with this. It's. I am struggling with um, – the respect I have for them still a little bit with the last episode covering Spygate mm. where they bring Ernie Adams in and he first thing he says about it is I'm going to the grave with certain things. I won't be talking about this. I won't be talking about it. You won't yeah. be. He's basically just like the guy they bring into the interrogation room who immediately says I didn't kill anyone. Anyone who's saying I killed somebody they don't know what they're talking about. I definitely didn't kill anybody. It's so it just kind of taints it a little bit especially when you re remember it happened twice. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to cover the second time as extensively as this one because it didn't get the national press. But seeing how they described what they were doing, it's very similar. It's almost the same. They were using a – this most recent time, they were using a documentary as almost a front, it seemed like, in the Bengals, at least from the yeah. Bengals footage that surfaced, Yeah, to tape the sidelines again. Uh -huh. 
and that was the issue in this. And they just all kind of, I mean, they basically just sit there and deny it. I mean, they don't answer questions. They just go through it. They show you the tapes. The NFL destroyed the tapes because we didn't want anyone having these tapes because they're a because they had sensitive information on them. Sure. So it's. It's they, destroyed they the evidence, but punches. knowing they, it's they, real. They show you that they're asking the questions, and then they show you if these people want to answer. Bill Belichick, Ernie Adams, and, you know, it, it is frustrating a little bit. So, But I think you said if you hate the Patriots, you're going to be you're frustrated hate watching more. it. You're going to hate them even Okay, more. I see. But it, it, it's still... I, I'm trying I liked to, the... Like, I had a healthy respect for what they accomplished, and it kind of took a hit. Just a bit. I, listen, I was a... 12-year-old who loved football jerseys? Did I have a Coles Tom Brady jersey from maybe from a garage sale or something? You're damn right I did. We, we were, listen, we were getting in uniform to go play ball in the yard. Everybody needed a jersey. And if I'm playing, actually, there's a, I just remembered this. There is a photo of me. God, this is the wild. There is a photo of me probably around age, let's, let's put it at 12-ish, of me in a Tom Brady jersey standing in front of Matt Leinert's locker in Arizona. Kurt Warner's locker is, like, off to the side, but I think it was at the moment in time where Matt Leinert was the guy and Kurt Warner was the old man. And I I did not... I remember that experience. We got to tour the stadium pretty shortly after it was built, I think. And it was that was great. I have no idea why I was wearing a Tom Brady jersey. I didn't... Like, I was a Chiefs fan at that point, and I had Arizona allegiances because my grandparents were out there and everything. But that photo is one... I think I'm wearing an Arizona State hat, a Tom Brady jersey, and I'm at the Arizona Cardinals... In the Arizona Cardinals locker room. I don't... I don't know how that happened. Uh, But, Dylan, I think you said after the first couple episodes, maybe, that this was still a better experience than Man in the Arena. Oh, God, yeah. That continues to be true, though. They're not pulling punches, which is why it will raise some emotions in you if you hate them or think that they cheated because there's no real answers. It's almost more aggravating that they don't answer the questions, a la Ernie Adams saying, I'm going to the grave with certain things. That is so fascinating. So, I mean, is there... I just will watch it at some point. But is there a is is there an implication or an explanation of how intensive the spying was, or how yeah. many they, iterations see, of it there you were? See some tapes. Um, they kind of tell you exactly what they were doing, but they they just deny that it really provided much of an advantage, or that they were the only team doing this. That was the other thing was that they kind of acted like it. It was like, oh, this just happens. Yes. People are just doing this. Interesting. Correct. So. It's good though. I, I, they don't. They use everything. They're using the NFL cool. films footage of practice when Kraft goes to talk to Belichick about why Bledsoe isn't. I mean, it's that's awesome. They use a lot, and I'm excited to keep watching it. It does just a little bit for me, kind of bring down what the first three Super Bowls accomplished because they were taping the sideline of the signals that yeah. were going in. And then they would, you'd see it go right up to the clock for time down distance, mm-hmm. a la the coaches tape you right. can find on NFL.com with a membership. Right. So you don't think, and they were acting like, well, you know, I can just go back on coaches tape, do all this through mm-hmm. coaches tape. Well, then why weren't you just doing that? Why were you doing that? What was the other cameras actually here for? Yes. What was this rolling for? Exactly. But it, so it's it's been. So they can, essentially what they can do is say, oh my gosh, those are the signals that we saw last week. Right. That they ran. Let's see if they're doing the same stuff here. Yeah, and an aggravating part of the do your job documentaries is the Marshawn Lynch play on the goal line. Mm -hmm. 
Ernie Adams has these cue cards. I, this is, you know, when they have this set out there, these are the routes that we typically see. So that's the questions I have. Just a little bit. I mean, yeah. I feel like they're valid because yeah. it's like, okay, so you're spying and you know formation, time, down and distance. They run these by your films in the past. And it's and not because of, sudden, of your scouting in the way that theoretically everyone else is scouting correct. and preparing. Correct. Yeah. But so but it's but, but it has been it's been good for you the football fan and the football oh, nerd and the 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 storytelling has been good. Correct. But it's been it's been damaging to your opinion of the Patriots a little bit. Yep. I think that's to me I I mean that feels fair that we're the uh, first dynasty of the 21st century without cameras. Deal. I'll take it. Me too. Done. I think mean, there's probably cameras somewhere in the building that they use for like some things, but I mean, generally speaking, I'll take that. I can't imagine Andy Reid being that way. Like oh, as a guy wild. who's a historian of football yes. in a different sense than Bill. I just feel like Andy, that would be more shocking than anything because Andy feels like I'm going to do this the right way, even if it costs me five NFC championships. Yeah, that feels right. I think I would have said that about Belichick before I knew about Spygate. I don't know. But but Andy Reid feels I think I I think your hunch on that Dylan is is still absolutely right. Um, one thing that his that's making that's making me think about another a little cross sport comp for no reason. I don't know why, but like Barry Bonds stats have been showing up on my Twitter feed more I often. Maybe just baseball night, coming yeah. back. I don't know why. Because PEDs was trending, I was like, well, oh, oh why, what's oh, PEDs trending for? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Jimmy G get dinged again. Uh, the Barry Bonds of football. I. Have I have like un untainted childhood memories of of watching Barry Bonds and the absolute menace that he was, and now at this point I have an extreme confidence in Barry Bonds would have been one of the greatest baseball players we've ever seen, completely clean. And that doesn't mean that you he doesn't get dinged for having cheated, right? I'm I'm not. That's not to. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Should yeah, steroid guys get in the Hall of Fame? Any other polarizing uh, yeah. subjects? Pete Rose. Here's what I think. Um, being fully aware of the uh, all of that, I'm at a point now where I don't really care. I don't. I don't. I am not phased by Barry Bonds PEDs because it's just kind of part of the entire story, and the entire story is still incredible. I wonder if that's going to be a similar place where we land with the Patriots of, yeah, I mean, nothing's nothing's completely clean and nothing's completely untainted. And, and I don't, I again, also would be floored if the Chiefs were, you know, filming signals on the other side. But is every team doing something that's up against the boundaries of the rules to get an advantage? Footballs. Sure, right, yes. exactly. I will. That's the one I will just, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Neither. In your point, right it, here. It because they beat the Colts by, like, what, 40 in that game? Yes. The quote was, they could have beat him with a beach ball. So good. So freaking good. And all of that, I, I think that might just be, and I don't know, man, here, you want to get super big picture? That might be a little bit of, like, art from the artist stuff, too, of going, man, I love this this musician, but there's some problematic stuff that I'm, like, a little bit queasy about. Or I love this director, but they—I mean, you know—I I don't necessarily have specific things in mind because you can you can fill them with with, with whichever ones challenge you personally. Because everybody's got some, right? Everybody thinks Michael Jackson made great music, and what do we do with it? Like, how do you filter all of that in a way that makes sense to you? 
And I think some of it is probably just accepting that everything's scuffed, like that no Lombardi trophy is is completely clean. That I, I think it was the it might have been around the COVID World Series when people were doing, or maybe just COVID championships, shortened seasons and bubbles. It might, actually, I think it was the NBA title, Definitely the bubble. NBA title. Yeah, I think it was the NBA, the NBA bubble title, where people were saying like, "Oh, this isn't win a real ring," you know, "This is this is fraudulent because the it was in a are bubble." Still dealing with it, they right and. I have absolutely no qualms with that being a quote real ring whatsoever. Everyone had to deal with the same right. It's a, it's not everyone like everyone had to, got to go it. home and then the Lakers were there. It's it's all the same circumstances. Everyone was playing under the same circumstances and I think there was some like SB Nation article or something like that where they literally went through painstakingly I'll find it for next segment if if it exists. Uh, I'm not just hallucinating it. Painstakingly, here's why this year's title was tainted. This year, this guy got hurt. This year, there was a suspension for something else. This year, this year, this year. You can always go back and kind of poke holes like that. And I think maybe that's just sort of the rationalization that I'm going to end up having to do on Barry Bonds to the the Patriots. I mean, and, and, and the cleaner everything can be, the better. But it's also going to be people in 15 years saying, it wasn't a whole Chiefs-Eagles. Right. And us going, what yep. the F are you talking about? That's it's true. been 15 years. I just, I, I think it's always going to be a battle in sports talk, and I'd like to opt out of most of it, I and think. And to tie a bow on basically this subject is that if you can do that, you're going to like the documentary. It's cool. great. It's very good. And, hey, if you watch the documentary and you're just a little more annoyed at the Patriots, also Okay. That's also fine. There's always room for more annoyance with that yes. uh, that region. Absolutely, and and you know, listen, if if Mac Jones turns things around, <laughs> that's the other thing is that ever since the, I mean, Brady too, just separating him from Belichick, still uh, that also taints it just a little yep. bit. A little bit. It's like uh, he probably should have maybe retired after. Mac Jones to the wild card. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh man, that could have been. He got Mac Jones to the to the playoffs. Exactly. That might have that might have been the way. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Hopefully, you don't have to compartmentalize how you feel about us here in the zone. Joshua Briscoe and Dylan Michaels with you today. That's we'll take easy. a timeout. That's you say it's it's easy. Yeah, that's easy. You don't have to. You just love all of it. Exactly. We're perfect. This is a perfect show. We take a break, probably. I guess we probably should. Todd Lebo will be in studio with us coming up next hour, and uh, I'm going to see if I can find that article. There's a tease for you. Hey, good news. I got something to give to you here. You like Dune? You like Dune 2? You like Dune Part 2? I can hook you up with some tickets right now if you're caller number 8 or caller number 10 to win a couple of tickets, up to four tickets, to Dune Part 2. Uh, the movie is this Thursday at B&B Theaters in Overland Park. you got to be there at 7.15, and then we'll handle all the tickets back here on our end. But 7.15 on Thursday at B&B Theaters in OP. If you want to see Dune Part 2, be caller number 8 or caller number 10 right now, 913-3810-810, 913-3810-810. Caller number 8. Caller number 10 to get you some tickets to go see Dune 2. You also get to talk to Dylan in the meantime. That's a pretty good deal. Todd Lebo is in the building as well. We'll spend the final hour of today's show with Lebo on the other side of this timeout. It's The Zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB.